This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning. And Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us on this Memorial Day weekend. And again, good morning to us, our campuses over in Stevens Point and Appleton. Trust that your services are going well over there this morning. Before I get into uh, this morning's message, I, I want to talk just a little bit about, about money. And uh, as those of you who come know, we don't talk about money very often here at Celebration Church. And if this is your first time, you can leave and honestly say that all we talk about is money every time you go. So, but it is, it is what it is, you know. So uh, anyway, if you will just indulge me for a minute. And I know a lot of people are not here. Hopefully they're watching online. By the way, boys, uh, did they fix the stream? It's fixed now? Okay, uh, we're having problems with our Facebook stream. A lot of people watch us while they're on vacation and stuff online. If you're watching online, uh, uh, at least you get the, the message this way. And if we'll need to talk about it for the next few weeks, we will. So here's, here's the situation. As you remember, back in February, we got hammered with big winter storms that basically shut down the church and put us in a big financial hole. We made an appeal, and people gave in really a stunning way. By the time we got to the middle of March, the hole had been completely filled, and we were actually ahead of where we were a year ago at this time. And I was so encouraged. Yes. I was blessed. I was encouraged. I was uplifted. And then in April, there was this massive hole. And I think, what, what? And it was almost exactly the same hole. And I started talking to some people. Apparently, what many had done was saw the emergency and, well, I'll just speed up what I was going to give now. Uh, and I thought for a second, well, why would people do that? And I thought, oh, good Lord, that's what I did. <laughs> and it's true. What I did is I just had given quickly what I was planning to give, not thinking it through. So in essence, this is what we did. There was a big hole, and to fill the hole, we made another hole and threw the dirt in there. 
That was filled. Hallelujah. Ah, there's a hole. So um, I, I want to encourage you this morning <laughs> to uh, prayerfully consider, and even yet, uh, as soon as you can, if that's what you did, to consider, no, we need to give something above and beyond. And Deanne and I are giving a significant amount this morning, uh, not what we were planning to give later and push it up, but just extra and a beyond to help fill the hole. And uh, here's the way it works with virtually every church, is you've got your core people, all right? Your core people, they're the 20% that carry 80% of the weight financially, volunteering. It's called the core. Then your next ring are people who are thinking about becoming part of the core, but they're not quite there yet. And then you've got the big ring. These are the people, they're not sure why they're even here this morning, okay? And, uh, and, and we have a lot of that. We do. It's, it's, it's who we are at Celebration Church. We reach a lot of people uh, through our television programs, our outreaches, uh, trying to create a, a, a safe environment where people can come, and they're just thinking about connecting with God. And that's great, and, and we don't harp on those people, and we certainly don't badger about money all the time. So uh, it's usually this group that carries most of the weight. Now, now here's the thing. <clears throat> Some of you did not do what I said and actually did give above and beyond. But let me encourage you, if you are able to help us to catch up, uh, be as generous. I'm talking to the campuses as well over there. You guys had the same exact problem. It was mirrored everywhere. If what you did was just give an advance, uh, all it did was move the hole. So I, if you would go and consider going above and beyond. Uh, our economy is doing really well. Uh, if you have any investments in the stock market, you know you've been making out like a drunken monkey, okay? Things have been really good. Wisconsin actually has one of the strongest economies in the nation. I was at a thing, we were at this thing the other night. Uh, all the states around us are a disaster. Illinois, where the bears come from, always a disaster, all right? Uh, Minnesota, pretty much the same. Michigan, all around. They have debt and their state budgets that I don't know how they're ever going to get out of it. There, there's, there's a day of reckoning yet coming that they keep putting off. Uh, that's very bad. Wisconsin has huge budget surpluses. And our argument is what to do with all the extra money. Praise the Lord. How many would rather have to deal with the financial pressure of too much money? Yes, yes all that pressure. Bring that on, O oh Lord, and not the opposite. So we're doing well. Everything, if you've been blessed and you're in a good place, and many of us have been blessed, many of us can easily this morning write a check for $1,000, uh, 2500 some even ten. $1,000. Some, maybe the most you can do extra is an extra 50, 100, whatever you're at. The Bible talks about doing what you're able to do, what God has blessed you to do. But we need some champions, some financial champions. You are in a good place. Again, we're going to do something significant this morning. And we'll just look and see how the whole goes. If I got to bring it over, up for the next few weeks, I will. Uh, but uh, just to help us get that extra thing so we can catch up where we're supposed to be and hopefully. Um, you'll help us in that because I did that very same thing that a lot of people did and all it did was move the hole. So, everybody okay? <laughs> people hate it when you talk about money. But hey, if you got the money, you can do things. If you don't, you can't. Right? So, anyway. All right. So please be generous and help us 
to, uh, and, and again, for those of you who didn't do that, who did get it, you say, well, that's not fair to us. That's true. But it's not really about, you know, serving God isn't about being fair and, and getting what we deserve. Thank God. <laughs> I don't know what you, but I deserve <laughs> to be thrown in a big pit somewhere. But uh, thank God he doesn't do that to us. So. All right. And uh, what else was I talking about? Oh, um, next Sunday, uh, you want to come and see. We have a real special announcement next Sunday. We're very excited about. I think you're going to be excited about. What is it? Come back next Sunday and I'll tell you. All right. Now, this morning's message, reading from Genesis, the ninth chapter. Now, in Genesis, this is where uh, the flood had happened. And immediately after the flood, God speaks to Noah. And we pick it up at chapter 8. It says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons, with him he hath three sons, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I've established between me and all life on the earth. So we have here the aftermath of the flood and God promising never again will I deal with this way with life on earth. And he gives us the rainbow. Now, the way the story is usually told uh, is that, especially with the children, and we hear that, that God put a rainbow to remind us of the promise. And many of you, that's what you're thinking. Yes, here. But if you'll read closely, he didn't do it to remind us. He did it to remind him. Over and over again, he says, I will do this and I will remember my covenant. Every time I see the rainbow, I will remember my covenant between me and the earth. The rainbow was not to remind us. It was to remind him. Now, you've got to stop and ask yourself, why does God need to be reminded? You would think if there's anybody who doesn't need to be reminded, it's pretty much God. But yet he talks about being reminded, and it's stunning, and we're going to take just a brief look, but how many times throughout the scripture it is referred to reminding God or God remembering or to be reminded. Now, people often become irritated and even angry when they need to remind someone or they become defensive when someone is reminding them. This is a classic argument between most husbands and wives. 
Uh, you know, couples have this challenge. I deal a lot with couples. By the way, someone asked me, Pastor, what's, what's one of the keys to a successful marriage? I, I said, look, you have to have clearly defined boundaries. All right? For example, her money is her money. My money is her money. And you just got to keep these things clear. So there's no misunderstanding. But anyway, one of the couple's challenges people have is about this reminding thing. And they get mad as a hornet. Usually, let us be honest, it is the wife who gets highly irritated that she has to keep reminding the man. And it drives her to no end uh, of frustration. And, and guys get angry when they are constantly being reminded. Stop reminding me, woman, stop nagging. All right, we hear this battle going on, all and on. And again, it really drives women crazy because women make this terrible mistake. They, they think that once they visit an issue with a man, it's been settled. No, 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 no. You know, they'll have an issue with the man and they'll bring it to the man and, and she says, this is it. But then he'll be coming round the mountain. And, he goes, and then she's going to have to deal with it again. He'll be coming round the mountain. And she has to deal with it. Instead of going crazy, you ought to be going, you know, he should be coming around right about now, you know. <clears throat> this is just life. Now, we think, because <clears throat> they think, we all think, it shouldn't be this way. We shouldn't have to remind people, and woman, you don't need to remind me. Or you got to remind your kids or whatever else that goes on. And it gets as frustrating as all get out. And we are convinced it is a sign that something is wrong. Someone doesn't have a functioning brain. Or worse, they don't care. they got a cold heart. And we pile on and make something that's very normal something now that is very evil. And we create all kinds of problems when we go down this path. What if needing to remind or needing to be reminded is not a sign that something is wrong, but rather simply a family trait? What do I mean by that? We are made in the likeness and image of Almighty God. Apparently, God needs to be reminded. See, that doesn't make any sense. You know, what are you saying? God has Alzheimer's? No, 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 no. Alzheimer's or something like that. When you go to open a drawer to remind you what's in the drawer, that's normal. When you go to the drawer and it's empty, that's troubling, all right? That's when people are having memory problems. To remind is simply to bring to the front of your mind. It's there. You all know it's there. What someone reminds us to bring it to the front of the mind. And apparently, this is not a weakness. God has no weaknesses. Hallelujah. There's no fault. There's no, nothing wrong with him. But yet God refers to himself in these terms. Maybe we're just being like our father to need to be reminded. When you think about it in those terms, the anger starts to let up and the bitterness and the lashing and defensiveness. Uh, oh yeah, 
yeah, oh, you're right, I needed to be reminded. And, and not get defensive about it or, or get mad that you have to do it. We often read in the Bible how God would remember his promises or his covenant or his people. One of the many times is in Exodus, the sixth chapter, when uh, God is looking at the trouble of the Israelites were in Egypt and getting ready to send Moses to them. He says, moreover, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. What does that mean? It came to the forefront of his mind. In Leviticus, the prophet writes the words of God, he says, where God says, I will remember my covenant, my promise with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land again. So many times, if you've done much reading at all in your Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, you will see this idea over and over again of God himself being reminded. And if you look at a lot of the prayers written in the Bible, it is usually in the context of the person praying to remind God. Uh, so many of these, these are all over the place. Here's just a few. When Samson, uh, who had really messed up terribly, he's, <laughs> he was a mess. We studied him not too long ago. And his hair had been cut up, and his hair started growing back. And in his final act of vengeance against the Philistines who had been uh, tormenting the land, uh, we read where Samson put his hands on the uh, pillars and he's ready to push and he prays this prayer. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Again, it's not a weakness like God, oh, oh I forgot you existed. No, it's about put me in the forefront of your mind. Give your attention to me, O oh God. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes because they had plucked out his eyes. Ugh. And he pushed, and of course, the whole thing came down. And the Bible says he actually got more Philistines in his death than he fought in his life. In uh, 2 Kings, Hezekiah was dealing with some things, and he prays and he cries out to God, Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully. And with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. He's praying and, says, and then he wept bitterly. He is crying out to God and saying, God, remember me. In Psalm 25, 6, the psalmist writes, Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. In Lamentations, the prophet, prophet cries out, Remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. In Exodus, we read, Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, who, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. In Second Chronicles, we read this, Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember the great love promised to David, your servant. 
One of the things that we do when we pray is we are trying to put our concerns in the forefront of God's mind. And we encourage people when you pray to take promises. You find promises in the Bible and to quote them back to God. Say, well, God knows what he said. I know he knows what he said. But we're trying to do what? Remind him. Oh, Lord, remember your promise in this situation. Lord, you said your word says this, and we stand upon your word. Some of you who are a little nervous about being asked to give something extra, remember, oh, Lord, your promise. Give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God wants to bless what we pray usually is, God, bless me so that I can give. And God says, no, give so that I can bless you even more. To quote God's word back is a normal, healthy thing. The idea of reminding is so powerful and key throughout the entire scriptures. Now, today is Memorial Day week. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. And this is the weekend where we are, as a nation, to pause and to remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice in service to their country. And I hope that you will do that. It's not, Memorial Day isn't really just the start of summer, even though for us it certainly is. And it's not, gee, here's a good chance and a reason to have a barbecue, because we're from Wisconsin and there's never a need for a special occasion for a barbecue. Praise the Lord at all times. It's really about remembering those who have laid down their lives in services. There will be special services throughout the country, our city and stuff, remembrances at uh, uh, cemeteries. Uh, if you're able to go to some of these, I would encourage you to do it. But take time to reflect. One of the things that uh, I've always done is uh, usually this weekend I will stop and watch some really good war movie. You know, and I just, I like to do that. Everything from saving Private Ryan to whatever. I mean, I just sit there for a couple of hours and as they depict the agony, the blood, the sweat and the tears and the sacrifice of those who have gone before us, it's all about stopping and remembering. We need the people to, and, and, and I love that our, our, the fathers of our nation understood we need to have a day of remembrance. Why? Because we are prone to forget. It's not that it's not there, it's just that we get pushed to the back and they saw that things were important like this to take time to reflect and to remember. And when you remember, you become very grateful for what has done, been done uh, for us. We're constantly needing to remind ourselves uh, to do the right things, to encourage. Uh, the scriptures, most of the New Testament actually, is very, very simple. We talk about the glorious salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, but most of the epistles are just to constantly remind us. Paul says, I'm, I'm reminding you over and over again. Don't forget, don't forget. And, and just constant uh, uh, encouragements to do good things, the basic things, the kind things, why? Because we are prone to get distracted and to forget. Not that there's anything wrong or that it makes us fundamentally evil. It's just that you need to be intentional to uh, do these things. And Paul writes and warns us. Sometimes 
you forget these basics, people tend to forget they've been forgiven of their own sins. This is particularly true when people get very angry at other people. What's wrong with that guy? What's wrong with him? How could somebody do something like that? We usually get to that place because we forget where we were. The kind of mistakes that we've done in the past. We need to remember. One of the things that we want to do this morning as we get ready to wrap this up is we want to reflect over the last year and remember our Transition One students. We have a program here at Celebration Church. Young people from around the country and even the world come and uh, stay with people here at Celebration Church. And they stay in classes throughout the, the school year. And then at the end, we send them overseas somewhere, some missionary opportunity for three months. There's lots of missions opportunities for young people, even adults. We're encouraging some of you to maybe go to this trip to Myanmar. Uh, it would be great. Uh, <clears throat> special opportunities to serve. Those, those tend to usually be a week to 10 days. Uh, but we send them for three months. Three months is a whole different ball game than 10 days. Why do you do it for such a long time? This is where they really get to learn to serve, to get away from the comforts of our country and to realize there's people who have great need. And, uh, and I promise you, uh, many of us have done extended missions opportunities. And I'll tell you, it changes you. It changes you forever. To a great degree, I am the man that I am today because of the experiences I had in extended opportunities of service. It changes you forever. And we're excited about these young people. They had a special graduation service yesterday and uh, we're gonna be praying for them. We're gonna ask them to come up on the platform. Uh, but as we do, I want to play uh, a video for you to show some of the things that they have accomplished and done over this last year. I'm a Pierce country, and so before Transition One, I was very, um, I loved, I loved pleasing people, so I would do anything anyone would tell me to do. Before Transition One, I was immature and prideful and overall ignorant to the rest of the world. I was quite standoffish, um, and yeah, I was just kind of a little bit more antisocial and um, large group settings and like outside settings other than what I was comfortable with. Before Transition One, I was really angry and get quick to anger. I was a lot less of a leader. I was just more of someone who's there to follow others and uh, get my job done. That's all that mattered to me. Before Transition One, I think I was pretty reserved um, and I didn't state my opinion very often. And if something was bothering me, I would just hold it inside myself and let it fester until I got really mad and then I would explode. Before Transition One, I tend to um, make decisions based off of what other people would think and um, what their opinions were. So before Transition One, I was very introverted. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to curl up in my bed in a blanket and just sit there and watch YouTube videos all day and play video games. And also I was very much so not into God. I'd go to church, but I wasn't at church. I would sit in the back of church and play on my phone and zone out whatever the preacher was saying.
but after transition one, um, I've learned how to, um, I've learned that my opinion matters and that I should stand true to what I believe in. Coming the transition one, my heart has changed. The Lord has changed me in so many ways. I'm, I'm patient, I love showing the love of Jesus to people, and my relationship with God is just overall stronger. After transition one, um, I realized that it's not really my life to be directing uh, in the ways that I wanted to go. Um, it's, you know, like I learned that I need to be asking God, like where does He want me to go? and. Um, what direction should does he want to take me? And now, after transition one, after that, I went to the mission trip. I worked on my anger a lot, and I'm doing a lot better with that. After transition one, I become more of a leader. But then, through living with a roommate and other people, I realized that if something bugs me, then I need to speak up and um, let my feelings be known. Um, because if there's something wrong, then I should just say that. Um, so I really learned to speak up. And after transition one, I started making decisions off of what God was saying and what lines up with his morals and values. And now that I'm back, I can say that I am a lot more outgoing. I, I'm still not to the point where I can get up in front of talk in front of a bunch of people, but I'm a whole lot better than what I used to be. And I look forward to church every week and I look forward to every Sunday. Amen. Excellent. These are transformative experiences for these young people. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of times we think that the reason our kids are so immature today is because you know, they're just not old enough. But it is not age that matures these people. You know, that's why we got 32-year-old young men and women who are still as clueless as the day they turned 14 in America. You, you mature intentionally by putting them in environments where they can grow and mature intentionally. Um, one of the ways that this is done, I don't know, is, is uh, in military service. I don't know if you've ever talked to a military, so, uh, someone in the military, man or woman, in their 20s in the military, 20 years old, and then a 20-year-old that never has been, and it's a whole different ball game. I mean, you are talking someone who is confident, strong, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, man, they know who they are. Why? Because they were intentional. Of course, the military will throw you in the brig if you're not intentional. And, uh, and they mature. And this program is, you know, <laughs> unless you want to go in the military, is, is to help people mature in their experience with Christ. And uh, these are young people, from some from our area, some from around the country, one from Africa, one from Germany. Uh, we're touching people all over the world that come and just want to learn in our environment here. I want to ask everybody to stand, even over at our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point. We're just going to pray a brief prayer together. I'm going to lead in prayer, just if you can just uh, agree with me as we pray over them and ask God's blessings on them. Who knows uh, what these lives will accomplish in the decades to come? But we believe that a great work has been started in them. Some powerful seeds have been planted in them. And we just ask the Holy Spirit to water what has been planted and that God would be glorified in their lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these young men and women who have come and taken this time over the last uh, nine months or so to put you first in their lives. You said, Lord, seek first the kingdom of God 
And I will bless you with everything everybody else is running after anyway. And Lord, I pray that now you will in fact bless them and help them to succeed greatly in life. Lord, that the Spirit of God would continue to water and empower the seeds that have been planted in them. That you would watch over them. Lord, you have a great plan and wonderful intentions for these lives. We pray that they will be brought to fruition. We're excited and looking forward with anticipation of the work that you have started and will continue to do in them. And a great blessing from our congregation, we pray over them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Give them a hand. You can all be seated. <clears throat> and remember them if you would, in your prayers. I'm going to ask our ushers at this time to come forward to get uh, ready to serve communion uh, here and at our campuses uh, at this time. You know, one of the main reasons that we do communion, do you remember why, what Jesus said about it? He says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because God knows we need to be reminded. It's not that you forgot or you don't know. It's just it brings us to the forefront. We always close our service with communion in a time of dedicating ourselves to God, to Christ, bringing forward into our minds what all of this is about. Why do we do this? Because we'll forget. It's just the way it is. But we're intentional to remind ourselves that the reason we're even here is because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross 2,000 years ago. His body was broken so that we could be whole. His blood was shed that he could wipe away all of our sins. If you've never truly asked Christ into your life, and most of this seems very foreign to you today, but you're thinking, man, I'd really like to have what you guys are having. If you'd like to ask God into your life, we're going to pray a prayer together. And I'm going to invite everybody at our campus as well as here. Uh, let's all bow our heads together and pray this prayer. And I want to invite you, if you're even if it's the first time you were here, if, if you'll pray this prayer and open up your hearts, you can take your first steps of faith today and experience this wonderful grace that we've been talking about. Let's say, Lord Jesus, as we remember your sacrifice, the sacrifice for us, I ask you into my life and to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for your love for me. Amen.